Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi, this is the Traveling Image Makers podcast, and I'm your host, Ugo Chai. My guest today is Barbara Weibel, who has a really amazing story to tell us. She had an established career in real estate, to which photography and travel often took a backseat. Then one day, thanks to a health care, she resolved to live the nomadic life that she had always wanted to live, and to pursue her passion to photograph the world and to write about travel. Barbara is calling us from Thailand, and I hope you will listen to my interview with her and be as inspired as I was. Hello, Barbara. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm great, and thanks for being with us today. Uh, I know it's uh, it's a bit late where you are. Uh, you told me you were in Thailand. Can you, can you tell us a bit about uh, your trip, about Thailand? Where are you now? Sure, sure. Thailand is one of my two most favorite countries in the world, and I come here every year. Um, I generally winter here because uh, the way I travel, I sometimes get tired and need a place to plunk down for a while, and Thailand does that for me, and it saves me from having to, you know, I could go home and visit family too, but that's in the States, and that's cold in December, January, and February. So this is a nice warm place. I'm in Chiang Mai, which is in the northern part of the country. Um, but I also spent a month in Hua Hin, which is down on the Gulf of Thailand, and then um, a couple weeks in Bangkok as well. Uh, then came up here to get cooler because uh, it's still pretty hot down south. Oh, cool. Uh, I will ask you more about Thailand in a minute, but first I would like you to, to introduce yourself to our audience, uh, who is Barbara Weibel, and especially mm-hmm. what is Hole in the Donut. Sure. Um, well, uh, Hole in the Donut is my travel blog. The full name of it is Hole in the Donut Cultural Travel. And uh, I was in corporate life for about 36 years, basically hated my life, every moment of it, Uh, I, all I had ever wanted to do was to be a travel writer uh, and a photographer. But, of course, you know, life takes you in a direction that you don't always expect. You have to earn a living, and so I went in, in, in the corporate direction. And um, uh, long story short, I, the stress and some other factors made me sick in the end to the point where I really thought uh, I, I was pretty sick for about four years, and um, I had Lyme disease. They couldn't diagnose it, uh, and I really thought that I was going to die before I got to do all the things that I always wanted to do. So I made myself a promise from my sickbed that if I could get well, that I would walk away from everything, and uh, I did. It took me about a year to get well, but then um, I put a backpack on my back and went off on a, a, a six-month round-the-world trip. Um, and, of course, the plan was to, originally the plan was to go for six months, come back, write a book in six months that would be a bestseller. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, that never happened. But along the way, I started this blog, and it was really for the purposes of keeping my friends and family apprised of where I was. Because, as you can imagine, they thought I was a crazy person to walk away from a successful career. And uh, I just seem to have struck a nerve with people on the blog. 
a lot of people out there, especially my age, I'm a baby boomer, I'm 63, felt uh, or do feel that, you know, they've looked up from their life and said, where did it go and what happened to all those dreams I had? And I think that me walking away from um, my career like I did at 54 gave a lot of people hope that it's not too late. So I got a lot of readers and I thought, hmm, you know, maybe I can reinvent myself as a travel writer after all. And here I am more than nine years later and my blog is very successful and I love what I do. And uh, it's, a, it's a great and inspiring story and uh, it's a bit sad for some people to realize that they might be postponing what they're uh, following their own passion, the real, the true life. And then sometimes right. they find out it's too late. And you, you had like a, a warning call, somebody. Like you were warned that maybe uh, things might change quickly, so it's probably better to to follow your passion. Well, uh, and of course, I also had the, rece- the recession. Oh, I have no yeah. regrets. But you know, I uh, I had worked the last ten years in real estate. I was general manager of four re- um, real estate franchises. And uh, working 70, 80 hours a week, 60 agents in the company, my own team, killing myself. And uh, I pretty much lost everything. And I looked back at 10 years and said, I worked like a madman for 10 years. I have nothing to show for it. So why did I do it? And I think I realized at that point that I'd been selling my soul for a long time and looking for money and material possessions to make me happy. And I realized that that was never going to happen. So now I don't earn much money and I'm pretty poor, but that's okay. I'm happy. <laughs> and uh, I'm interested in, in knowing how, well, you, you probably made some, some money in the past years as a, with a successful career, but do you still earn some kind of income from your activity as a, as a traveler, travel photographer, blogger? So how does that work in practice? Uh, is photography enough to make a living traveling or do you need it to, to supplement it with something more? Yeah, I supplement it because uh, it's gotten increasingly harder to earn a living as a photographer. As you know, I, I understand you're a photographer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Everybody's a photographer these days. Everybody has a cell phone. Um, everybody's got Flickr accounts, uh, and a lot of people make their images uh, available for use in commercial without payment. Uh, it's it's gotten very difficult for someone to uh, just live off of uh, their photography. I do and, sales yeah, photography we were, sorry, occasionally. But as we were discussing before starting this conversation, before recording, uh, even going to a place like Thailand nowadays can be very cheap. So you get right. a camera, you travel to Thailand. If you have a, a keen eye or just some experience with photography, you can uh, you can take good photos. And so the market is uh, is very crowded because of that. So it's, uh, it's, sure. it's harder. Yeah. So please go ahead. Oh, I you know I went to a um, a talk in uh, Amsterdam not long ago earlier last summer. Steve McCurry, um, mm. one of the world's great photographers. You know he's well known for the shot of the Afghan girl with the blue eyes, and um, he said he has friends who are taking excellent photographs on iPhones. So it's hard to compete with that. So. Yes, I supplement. I uh, I have sold photos for uh, magazines. Um, I recently sold a piece of video to Warner Warner Brothers. Um, 
but it's it's simply not enough to live on. So the way the world goes in blogging, um, it's such a rapidly changing business. Uh, I made enough money to live and keep me going uh, around the world uh, for about four years by selling advertising. That model has since changed, basically because Google changed, well, they started to enforce some rules that had not been enforced before. And we all had to abide by the rules, so uh, a lot of our advertising went away. Um, and you have to look for the next opportunity. So it's a combination of freelance writing, selling photography, affiliate sales, sponsorships, people that sponsor me. And, of course, that's a very fine line because I don't ever want my readers to think that someone is paying for a trip for me and buying my positive opinion, which just doesn't happen. I have the complete freedom to write the truth, and I do that. But you you have to be very careful that you're not seen as in the pocket, you know, of mm-hmm. uh, a, a PR company or a uh, travel entity. So, yeah, it's a struggle all the time. Um, and I think most of us have other ways of making money. I mean, um, the, we all know each other, those of us who are full-time uh, travel writers, bloggers, and some of us are doing public speaking. Some are doing social media consulting. Um, you know, there's there's people who design websites, who uh, write apps. Uh, there's just a million different ways to earn your living on the road. And we all do whatever we have to do. So you sort of have to invent yourself. Invent yeah, yourself. over and over. <laughs> So yeah, how, how many years have you have you been traveling constantly? Uh, I left um, uh, in early two thousand and seven, so it's been nine years, um, and it'll be nine years next month, I think. And um, I think in the, at the end of two thousand and nine is one. So this sort of a, a digital nomad with no home was progressive for me, and in the beginning, I. I uh, left the home. I, you know, I was in the recession, so I, I sold the home, fortunately, but for less than I had in it, went to an apartment. But within a couple of years, it was obvious that the apartment didn't make sense because I, I was traveling more and more and never there. No reason to pay $1,000 a month for rent and utilities when you're not there. So I let that go, and uh, but I kept my car, and I, you know, it's crazy some of the stuff that you do because I would come home for Christmas every year to visit the family, and I'd stay for a month or six weeks, and I thought, well, I need the car because you know I have to drive back and forth. So I was paying so much per month in insurance, and then about three, three and a half years ago, I came back. And the tires had rotted off the car because it had been sitting in the sun for so long. And that was another $600. And I thought, this is just nuts. I can rent a car for six weeks for much less than I'm paying to keep it. So then the car went. I sold the car. Now, all I have at the moment is I've got a, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe a dozen plastic bins, not great big ones, medium size. Uh, stored in my sister's crawl space above the garage. And all that is is personal mementos, uh, some artwork. You know, I have no, I don't have uh, housewares. I have no furniture. I have a few clothing things like heavy jackets if I come back to the States and need a coat or a pair of of boots, you know. But I have very little, and I live uh, full-time now on the road 
with just my 25-inch suitcase and a small backpack with my equipment in it. Yeah, so you're living like a snail, carrying your home with you wherever <laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, I started off in the early years with everything in a backpack, but I'm 63 now, and I and the equipment that I carry has gotten bigger and heavier, you know, cameras and laptops and and cables and all sorts of peripheral stuff. And I, I just can't put it all on my back anymore. Mm -hmm. So I finally gave in and went to a, um, you know, roll, um, a rolling suitcase. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm even going to whittle that down even more. I'm going to go from a 25-inch to a 22-inch soon. You know, you don't need much. It's just, <laughs> you can live with three pair of pants and, you know. Yeah. yeah, and in terms of equipment, what do you use? What do you carry with you? Well, I have recently changed all of that. Um, I was a Canon fan for many, many years, Canon cameras. Uh, I have noticed over time that the quality of my photography has gone downhill. I was very unhappy with the quality of the equipment that Canon was putting out. The lenses weren't sharp anymore. Um, I also had to cut down on my weight because, you know, carrying the, the heavy cameras with me all day long was starting to give me neck problems. So I went to lighter weight models, which were not as good, and I was having to buy new cameras every year. So I started looking at the mirrorless cameras. And um, I know a lot of people in my field uh, have gone to the Sonys. Mm -hmm. I looked at that. It, it was enormously expensive, about $3,500, um, to buy it with the lens that I needed. Um, and so uh, the guy in the camera store, I was in Amsterdam, and he said, you know, you really need to look at this Olympus um, EMD-OM1. And he said, I bought it. I am happier with it every single time I use it. I, I took it out. I did a couple of test shots with it. Uh, I ended up with a, I had been shooting with a 10 to 22, uh, 3.5 to 4.5 with the Canon. And I ended up with a 14 to 40 and, with the Olympus, but a 2.8. And I'll tell you, he's right. Every time I use this camera, I fall in love with it more. It has the most stunning sharpness. And um, the two of them, so I didn't buy a kit lens. I bought a special wide-angle lens, which is my walk-around. And it cost me about uh, $2,000. Yeah, I know uh, that a lot of people are very happy with Olympus. Uh, I personally yeah. decided to go to Fuji as a, as a brand, uh -huh. Uh -huh. which is uh, as good as Olympus, I think. And uh, yeah, those models, mirrorless cameras are very small. So uh, very convenient for when you're... Constantly on the move. Right, right. And I shoot in um, a RAW as well as JPEG. Mm -hmm. um, so my editing is done on the RAW. Um, I don't, you know, I'm debating about whether I really even need to do that anymore because uh, the resolution has gotten so good and the, you know, pixels per inch are so dense that maybe... Maybe it's not necessary anymore, but I haven't quite gotten to that point. And you, I imagine you take a lot of photos when you're, oh, when Lord. you're traveling. <laughs> and do you travel with a laptop? Oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, I have a MacBook Pro. Um, and, of course, you have to have that for editing. Uh, I have. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. 
Well, I was going to say I have, um, I, I also have, a, I carry two iPhones with me, one which I, I use for a, a local SIM card and the other one I have a world SIM in. But I hadn't really fully maximized the iPhone until I went to Cuba last year. And they said, if possible, don't bring your laptop because it could be a problem uh, with customs coming in. So I thought, okay, this will be an interesting challenge. I'll take the iPhone. I'll work off of that. And it was a great experience because it trained me to use the iPhone for most of my social media now. And the Olympus now has a built-in Wi-Fi and an app on my iPhone lets me connect to the Olympus, import any photos that I take on the Olympus, so I no longer have to take the shot in the camera for the good stuff, take the shot on the iPhone for the social media. It has made my life so much simpler. Um, and the iPhone now, I get up in the morning, um, I immediately get my email, and I do all my social media on the iPhone. I don't crack open the laptop. Uh, that allows me to go out and do what I need to do, um, meet people, you know, interview people, take photos, etc. Whereas I was opening the laptop, and I would get sucked into this black hole of work. <laughs> um, what I meant to ask earlier was... Uh, uh you're on the road constantly with a laptop and you take a lot of photos. How do you manage backups? Oh, well, I have, I'm one of those crazy people that has layers and layers of backups. So I have two external hard drives, uh, passport hard drives, WD, and uh, one of them is hooked up as my time machine. Uh, but I don't rely on that because something many people don't know is when the hard drive gets full, time machine automatically drops the oldest mm -hmm. backup so if you do that and you're i'm you know i have a um i think a 500 megabyte hard drive on the macbook so i have to wipe photos off of the macbook or i i max i max out the hard drive so i come i come back from the day i generally have two to three hundred photos i go through them i get rid of the bad stuff i um I upload, well, I upload them to my laptop first and then call them, get rid of the, the bad ones. I name them because if I wait two days, forget it, I'm lost. Uh, those then go up to one of my um, WD passports, my backup hard drives, uh, and that's only for photos and videos. And then I hook up the other um, external hard drive and do the time machine backup and that one is now a three gigabyte or a three terabyte rather so I have a lot of room on both of them and then on top of that whenever I get to a place where I have a good enough Wi-Fi connection I upload them to the cloud in SmugMug um, I can't upload my raw files there though so that's sort of driving my decision as to whether or not I'm going to continue to shoot in RAW as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. Now, I was particularly interested in the aspect of uh, off-site backup or backing up to the cloud. I was a right. photographer I know posted an update to our Facebook uh, uh, page. When was that? A couple days ago. She was in Italy for a tour and the hotel she was staying in caught fire. So she was, uh, she had like, she said, I've got all my camera equipment in that room. I've got two weeks of photos. <gasps> I've got all my heavy winter clothes there. And I oh. don't know if I will be able to record them. So luckily, 
only the top floor of the hotel caught fire. So her room was fine. Even uh, the, the fire brigade started pouring water on it, but the water didn't leak down to her room. So she was able to recover everything. But I was, yeah, that, that makes you think, right? You are, everything you have is with you. And in her case, it's, well, it's two weeks of, uh, of photos. It's her gear was uh, insured and everything she could have just lost two weeks. But if you are constantly on the on the go, you need a way to to back up your your photos somewhere right. else because if you have everything in your hotel room and it's you cannot carry it with you on you all the time, uh, there is a fire or a burglar breaks into your uh, into your room, then you risk losing a a life of uh, of content and. Uh, so sure. it's, it's very important, I think, to have a, a good uh, off-site backup solution. And it's not easy if you're traveling to third world countries where it's not like you have uh, megabytes and megabytes of upload bandwidth. Uh, you need to to find right. a way to, to upload as much as possible without. So rows can be a problem because they are bigger than, than JPEGs. Right. And I... It's my worst nightmare is to lose all my photos, but I feel very comfortable with them being at Smug Mug. Mm -hmm. If I ever had to, I could either download them again or they would send me a disc if I asked for it. So, um, you know, it's. I, and the other thing that I try to do is I try, it depends on where I am. Like when I'm in Chiang Mai, this is sort of my recovery place. And I have a, I live at a re, what's called a residence wh where I rent by the month. And so it's like my little own little apartment. So many times my backup hard drives are, are in the room with my laptop. But when I'm, and I know this place is completely safe, not from a fire maybe, but um, if I'm in a place for a week or three or four days and I'm not, 100% comfortable. I make sure that if I'm carrying my laptop with me, that the external hard drive is in my backpack in the room locked up. Vice versa, if I don't have the laptop with me, I'll pull out the hard drive and put it in my purse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I try to have one or the other with me at all times. You have to be a bit paranoid about those things. You do. You do. I mean, that's just the way of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I would like to come back to more to, to travel in places um, a, li a, bit, a, a little bit less about gear and technology and uh, I'd like <laughs> to, to ask you uh, you have been to, to many countries I imagine but if you were to go back to one of those tomorrow uh, which one would you pick and why? Well there are two that I ret return to. I, I typically don't like to return to a country because there's so many other places I haven't seen. I've only been to 65 countries out of the 193. So that's a third, more or less. And I, if given a choice between do I go back or do I go to a new one, I generally pick the new one. However, I'm very, very tied to Thailand and Nepal. And I do go to the, both of those almost every year. And uh, conversely... The mirror question would be, if you are to leave tomorrow and go to a place to, that you've never been to, what, which, which one hmm. would be on the top of your list? Well, I, I have to say Tibet. I mean, there's, I have a list of top 10 that I definitely want to see, but I think that Tibet probably would be my number one choice. I've actually tried to go to Tibet twice because it's fairly easy to do from Kathmandu, and I'm in Kathmandu fairly regularly, um, and you take a four-wheel drive Jeep up through the Friendship Highway, and uh, you spend a week 
going from west to east and ending up in Lhasa and flying back. But, uh, you know, the Chinese government gets a little paranoid sometimes about things. And each time I I, uh, book something, they close the border. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I haven't been able to do it yet. And I'm I'm absolutely going to do it sometime in the next year. And what's your next trip that you have actually planned? Uh, I leave from Thailand on February 6th. I go to Myanmar for uh, 28 days. I'll be doing a a Viking River cruise. Uh, The Viking River people are just wonderful to me, and and, um, they're one of my sponsors. And uh, they have a cruise that goes up the Irrawaddy River, and you go to Bagan and and, um, Mandalay, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, and then I'm going to wander around for a couple of weeks on my own after the end of the cruise. And then, believe it or not, I spend almost two days flying to get to Mexico mm. for a conference. I'm not looking forward to that one. Um, and then I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to go to Central America or the Caribbean. I have an invitation to go to Colombia, Bogota, and Medellin. Um but, you know, I don't like to make a whole lot of plans mm-hmm. because I, um, my whole, what drives me is learning about other people and their cultures. I'm fascinated by it. And my blog is not the top 10 of this, the best of that, how to do this and how to do that. My blog is first-person narrative about my experiences in countries, the people I meet, the food I eat, you know, the sights I see. And I try to delve deeply into the cultures um, and and so I get offers on uh, along the way, and I like to be free to take them. So um, you know, I'm sort of winging it most of the time. You, you sort of anticipated the next question I wanted to ask, which was, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you read my mind. Or uh, my question would have been, what, what kind of experiences are you looking for when you visit a new place? It's more the, the people, the culture, the food, the scenery. Right. Well, I always say to people, if I go to Paris, of course, I'm going to see the Eiffel Tower and I'm going to go to the Louvre. But then, unlike other people who might run around and see some of the other sites, my next priority is um, going to the neighborhood markets, sitting in the coffee shops to meet the local people, going to the parks where the people are uh, you know, bundled up in coats in the crisp November air uh, <clears throat> and sitting around uh, chatting to one another and that's that's the kind of thing that I like to do is to meet the local people I have the most amazing experiences and and I mean some, I don't know how they happen to me they just do yeah coming back to Thailand and uh, uh-huh. which is a country that you are very familiar with and it's a country that uh, has been a popular tourist destination for many years so Many people know or plan to visit uh, Bangkok uh, and Chiang Mai, the north, uh, uh, some of the islands, Phuket and so on. But as a deep connoisseur of Thailand, is there any off-the-beaten-path locations that you would like to recommend maybe? Well, yeah, um, I've I've done my share of traveling in Thailand and, uh, you know, I'm not one that likes a lot of crowds and a very heavily touristed place. 
And while I can appreciate the beauty of a place like PP uh, Islands, they have the uh, gorgeous turquoise water and the karst limestone towers, you know, that, that soar out of the, uh, straight out of the water. And so it's beautiful there. But it's also very much a party spot. They have the full moon parties and the, they sell beer by the bucket. And you get up in the morning and, and you know, you see some people who are um, passed out on the beach. And um, I, that's just not my scene. I guess maybe it would have been if I was younger, been there, did that, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I that's just not what I want to see when I travel in Thailand. So I tend to go to the places where I can connect with the local people. And uh, I actually find that I can do that in Bangkok, but that part of that is because over the years I've made many friends there. I just attended a 99-year-old birthday party for the mother of a friend there, Um and it was an absolutely amazing experience because almost everybody there was Thai. Uh, and uh, I particularly like Chiang Mai because even though there are a lot of tourists here, it's very easy to get to know the locals. Further afield um, to the uh, east of here is a smaller community called Chiang Rai, which I like very much. And uh, further to the north is a little town called Pai, P-A-I, that is also very nice. Um, and then if you want to go over to the border with Laos along the Mekong River, um, it's, there's a little town called Cheng Kong that I'm very, um, uh, I, I, was, I just found it a very interesting town. It's clean. It's got a nice market down the middle of the street in the morning. The people are friendly. Uh, it's the best place to go to, to get the boat that goes down the Mekong to Luang Prabang, Lao. Um, let's see. What else? I Oh, I've been over to the islands that people tend to go to are in the western part of the Gulf. So, you know, Kopangan, Surin. I don't like Phuket at all. It's overpriced. It's dirt. The beaches are dirty to me. Um, but I have been over to the uh, eastern part of the Gulf, up against the border with Cambodia. And there are three islands there. They're Kochang. Kochang is the party island. Kokut and Komak. Mm-hmm. And Komak, M-A-K, is um, the one that is owned by... 95% of the land is owned by one local extended family and they have made a decision consciously that they don't want to turn their island into a party island and so uh, they have no banana boats, no jet skis um, no tall uh, three, four, five story buildings to speak of they have, all the hotels are locally owned, there's no big chains there um, the locals still make their living banana harvesting and tapping rubber trees it's a beautiful water, beautiful scenery. Uh, it's it's a paradise. Mm, great, great. Okay, so I think it's time to, to wrap up our conversation, even though I would like to, to continue it with you for <laughs> for much longer, because I'm sure you have uh, lots of great stories to tell about many other places. So maybe there will, we will do another interview a few sure, months I'm from always now. Happy you, to. <laughs> you can tell us about uh, Myanmar or... Tibet, if you ever manage to to go up there. Okay, that's a deal. Yeah, (laughs) let's make a deal. You you let me know. I'm going to Tibet. We will schedule an interview. And then when you come back, uh, you will tell us everything about Tibet. 
Well, can I add one thing about Tibet and the reason that I want to go so badly? I'm Buddhist, for one thing. Oh. I'm Tibetan Buddhist. Yeah. But I also have studied with the Dalai Lama and had the opportunity to meet him, and he held my hand. And so now I feel like I absolutely must go to Tibet to see it. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. I would like to thank you again for uh, this interesting conversation. And if you just want to let people know where they can find you online... Oh, sure. My my site is holeinthedonut.com because I'm now filling my empty donut with juicy filling <laughs> by traveling. Uh, and it's D-O-N-U-T, holeinthedonut.com. Great. So thanks again. And uh, all, the best for your, all the best for your trips. And talk to you Thank soon. Thank you. And thanks hope. for having me. You bet. Take Bye. care now. Ugo. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there you have it, a great interview with a fantastic person. I hope you will agree with me that this was really inspiring. Before closing, I want to remind you that we just opened our brand new website. At ttim.photo, you will be able to find all the past and future episodes of this show. And always remember, if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes that helps us grow. Thanks very much for listening, and until next time, take care and the best light to you.